This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Fears of voting machine breaches and midterm election chaos. The monarch censors John Oliver and turn off your airdrop, people. You're watching the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. Joining me is Cam Harless of the Mad Ones podcast. Cam, let's go ahead and dive in. I love the background you put up on screen there of a voting machine on fire, a Dominion voting machine. Is that what that is? It, it, it is. I forgot to pause Rockfin, and so that started blasting in my ears just then, and I was so confused about uh, what you I were see. doing. Oh, you had end. you had the double audio coming through. Yeah, that's happened to me before, too. <laughs> so what did so, you ask? I'm sorry. It was very loud. <laughs> oh, you, you answered the question. I was asking if that was the, the I think, the Dominion voting machine that yes. you have on fire there in the background image. Mm-hmm. That could be accurate this upcoming election because there are some predictions of election chaos. I've talked about this tabletop the vote simulation that they did back at the end of August, which is the federal government did, and they did it in states across the country where they were preparing for various threats where they scenarioed out a bunch of stuff and starting to see stuff pop in the news kind of related to that. I was curious if if we would, and we have a story today that reminded me of that tabletop exercise. The headline here from the AP is that breaches of voting machine data raise worry, raise concerns for the midterms. And the article then says that sensitive voting system passwords posted online, copies of confidential voting software available for download, ballot counting machines inspected by people not supposed to have access, the list of suspected security breaches at local election offices since the 2020 election keeps growing. The article then goes on to say that it goes on to talk about how election security experts aren't as worried about those specific types of threats because they, they feel they've developed some some defense against them. What they're really worried about is the more immediate threat, which they say is the possibility of rogue election workers, including those who are sympathetic to lies about the 2020 election, might use their access to election equipment and knowledge gained through the breaches to launch an attack from within. You might remember, I think it was last week that I played those clips. I think it was a CNN segment where the, the it might not have been CNN, it was one of those networks, but it was these, these Trumpian, these MAGA Trumpers who are working in election offices around the country are secret, secretly training their employees or other election employees to do illegal things around the election. And then you find out the illegal things they're teaching them to do is have a notepad in their pocket and just document any problems they see. You like a whistleblower would do, but they made it seem like some insidious plot. So what seems to be going on here, because this was this very thing right here, the rogue election workers causing problems inside, inside the election offices was one of the scenario game outs that they are scenario games that they they did in this tabletop 2020 this election scenario simulation the federal government just did at the end of august this very scenario so are they predicting it that it might happen because it's a possibility or are they practicing because they're planning on it to happen so that they can then demonize those who are trump supporters or whoever and basically make either side and it looks like it's going to be that way right now whatever the outcome is the other side's going to just, they're not going to believe it. It's going to be illegitimate to the other side, kind of like 2016 was to the Democrats and 2020 to the right. Regardless of whether there are problems or not, it, we're being set up for chaos, it seems to me. The article does go on, I think, to, I think there's a little bit more. Let me see here. 
Yeah, okay, another concern expressed, I thought this was interesting, by the voting security expert is someone using access to this voting equipment data or the software to develop a realistic-looking video in which someone claims to have manipulated a voting system. I guess like a deep fake of sorts, it sounds like. The expert's name has an interesting name. It is Harry, H-A-R-R-I, Hursty, H-U-R-S-T-I. And he says that such a fake video posted online or to social media on or after Election Day could create chaos for an election office and cause voters to challenge the accuracy of the results. He said if you have these rogue images, now you can start manufacturing false, compelling evidence, false evidence of wrongdoing that never happened. You can start creating a very compelling imagery evidence. So I've always wondered when we're going to get to the place where deep fakes are created. Just seamlessly, they probably already are. They actually had deep fakes basically run for president in South Korea. And a deep fake won the presidency because that, they created a deep fake of the actual candidate and made it more edgier, made it look younger, made, made it use the language of young people. And it won. And so, and then the other candidate did it too because it saw what they're doing. So maybe there's already, maybe everything we see on TV is a deep fake for all we know. I don't know. But when you have this problem here, there can really be prob somebody can create a deep fake and you can say it was a deep fake and they cannot believe you, or you can actually commit a crime and then just claim it was a deep fake committing the crime and you're being set up. So we're getting really dicey, strange territory here as we get closer and closer to the what's the technological thing where you cross over. What's the the point of? I can't remember the the term where just the the robots take over. Oh, that like when they go. I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know why that term slips my mind. I don't know why I was even there. The but, robot uprising. Whatever. The point of no return. <laughs> uh, that's a little easier way to put it. Point of no return when it comes to that. I think chaos is coming, and this is being echoed in a in a lot of different places. And I have a couple of clips that are from what's called the CSIS the think tank, one of those very influential think tank, and they're talking about th this very thing here is going on in this panel discussion where they're also worried about it. They're worried about the misinformation that's being spread, and the person we're going to hear in this clip here is, it's a woman named, I don't think I have my notes on who she is. She's a national, she works in the Department of Defense. She's a national security expert and she works for the government. And she's at the CSIS misinformation panel. The discussion is called Stopping the Spread of Online Mis- and Disinformation. Oh, this is Suzanne Spaulding. That's who she is. She's a senior advisor of Homeland Security's International Security Program. And in this first clip, she talks about, you know, what they need to do to stop people from being affected by such misinformation surrounding the midterm elections. We need to be hyper vigilant and we need to share what we know uh, with the public as quickly as we can. And we should be thinking about all the ways we can pre-bunk as much as possible uh, in anticipation of that. I worry that we, we have um, recognized the danger of domestic sources of disinformation, but that we, uh, we, we best not take our eyes off our adversaries. Uh, threats as well. Um, it's it, what we concluded in that 2017 report is that reinvigorating our shared narrative is a, is a generational imperative. It requires the democratic institutions live up to their responsibilities as pillars of democracy and the engagement of educators, parents, elected officials, civil society, and at a basic level, every American citizen. Okay, so that was actually her solution. I played I played the second clip first, but yeah, that idea of every getting it all the way down to every American citizen and then rebuilding up the trust of those institutions who have completely lost trust. This is a theme we've seen across the board where they're trying to make us trust them again. Really hard. They're trying to make us trust us and they're going to infiltrate the local communities to do that because they know that they have to. But I I really meant to play the the problem that she the way she introduced the problem first that was my mistake. But here here's her initial introduction to what kind of what the problem is going on and with the misinformation in the elections that needs to be. Fixed. We need to be hyper vigilant and we need to share what we know uh, with the public. How many times are going to play the wrong clip? Did I label this wrong? My goodness. <laughs> Let's try this one more freaking time here. Let's see. Is this, oh, no, I, okay, I just uploaded. I put the wrong one up there. Get rid of that, and let's put this one. Here we go. Don't believe in the ability of democratic processes and constitutional means to achieve change. You're going to resort to violence, and we see that in very alarming surveys. I'm very concerned about the upcoming elections. I think the pump is primed, frankly, on both sides for folks to reject the legitimacy of the election. And I just, 
thought that was interesting. This was a panel discussion from uh, a few days ago, and it always works this way. We hear them talk about it in these panel discussions, then we see stories like this voting breach machine, the fears and the concerns the election experts have and the chaos that might erupt. And obviously, they're going to try and pin it on people who support Trump. But I, I don't disagree with what she said there, that it is being primed for that. And I'm yeah. telling you, man, it's going to be wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, she's not wrong. And I think that it's not, she's making it seem like the other side is priming the pump, which some people most likely absolutely are. But like, these are the people who are leading the charge and doing all of the, the, uh, what's the word I want to use? Um, uh, what's it called? Frick. It's like, uh, you know, when cops get people to do things that they n- wouldn't normally do and entrapment, entrapment it's essentially yeah. entrapment. God, such an easy word. And I forgot it. Yeah, I'm, no, I, I forgot an easy word too. the te- technological tipping point that I was trying to. Yeah, the, I, yeah, we, we, we talked about it in the chat a little bit and it's I, I we've decided that's the crossing of the Robocon Rubicon. I think Rubicon. No, yeah. you said robots. Oh, the Robocon. Oh, the yeah, yeah. Robocon. Yeah, it is yeah. Robocon. <laughs> I made it. I, we, we, we made it work. That little turn of phrase there. <laughs> yeah. It's a, so I have one more from her that I want you guys to hear. If I get these, this other one out here. Because it's this stuff is really... One of the people on this panel, too, which I, don't, I might bring some more stuff for this next week, is somebody who worked on the Senate Intelligence report against Russian disinformation. And when you hear the setup for all the stuff, they're clearly, you're right, they're clearly setting this up to be pinned on MAGA Trumpers is what they're setting it up to do. And this is kind of their plan that she has for the pre-bunking and the indoctrination and the shared, I saw the shared narrative there in the comments. Yeah, they want to create a shared narrative because this is narrative warfare. And they want to implant their values onto everybody else. Ultimately concluded that the best way, most sustainable way, to counter uh, the impact of disinformation is to build public resilience against the content of that disinformation. If you accept, as as I said at the outset, that you are never going to stop disinformation, then you've got to, as part of your um, uh, ways of countering that, you've got to build public resilience against that uh, disinformation. And we ultimately concluded that the best way to do that, given what we see as the most pernicious impacts of disinformation, is to teach civics, is to reinvigorate civics, um, uh, to reinvigorate that shared narrative, that shared sense of values, to, to build a stronger sense of national identity. And there's bipartisan support for civics as, a, as the best way to do that to teach people about how our government works and how they as individuals can and must hold those institutions accountable and become more effective agents of change through constitutional means. Okay. Agents of change through constitutional means. That all sounds nice the way that she says there, but reinvigorate some of our shared sense of values. Whose values? Which values is it that we share? And that is where the culture war that, that's what everybody's fighting over, is whose values are these shared shared values? Because the shared values they want to impose, the ones that they want to teach, you can't teach both of them. Well, they're not going to teach both of them anyway. So this isn't about actually giving shared values that already exist. This is about forcing your shared values onto everyone else. At least that's what it comes to. I mean, she's describing indoctrination through civics, civics courses, in my opinion. And the idea of a national identity, this is... This is stuff that was very common. I mean, it's not like every country doesn't do this. They, they do this. They, they use the, the education system to turn people into pa- patriots of, of their state to propagandize them when they're younger in whatever ways. And they want to get back to that through the lens of fighting disinformation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And we've seen what some of these courses are. I know friends of mine, your kids go to, your kids, do you go to public school? They don't, do they? No, they don't. I didn't think they did. 
Uh, I think you're muted, but yeah, I, I yeah, I figured they didn't. But <laughs> no, I said uh, if I wanted to send them to prison, I'd send them to an actual prison. I think right. That, yeah. So I, I've seen some of these public school courses that my friends' kids are are they have misinformation courses, and it just focuses 100 percent on which source you can trust. Right. I didn't realize I was muted, but before you started talking about how this is indoctrinating children, I was saying this is about indoct this is a subtext. It's about indoctrinating Oh yeah, no, children I didn't hear you at all. Yeah, yet again. Muted, but yes, exactly. Um, that, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean that's what this is. And it's I love that their idea. I mean, let if I put it in the least charitable way. Well, that's not even the least charitable, but I just think the idea of, oh, social so, social studies classes will, fi will fix us. <laughs> like, yeah, everybody needs a social studies class, but you know what else, though? Not just children. As I'm going to play the rest of the clip, you're going to see who else needs a social studies class to be indoctrinated. Okay, wait, can I, can I make is... a pred prediction? Go ahead. Is it, okay, and this is not me, but this is how I believe these people think. Is it... Black people, not in, well. Black people are part of this group, so okay. It's all I just feel like I feel like that's what they were. That's about definitely to drive what they at. target. Stuff like vaccine propaganda. They definitely target at black people because they try and overcome that Tuskegee narrative, which is a horrible and, and thing that happened. And they try to make make them think it didn't. But here, she's just talking about everybody. Okay, because I would say like, civics wow. is a national security imperative, and because it's an imperative, it's so urgent. We have to invest in K through 12, but we can't wait for that long-term investment to pay off. We have generations of adults that have been ill-served by our education system. We have failed to adequately teach civics for decades. So we need to reach adults. Uh, and we recently launched a program called Civics at Work, which is designed to reach adults at their workplace. Um, the idea is that business leaders will sign up and we've got some key business leaders already, Brad Smith of Microsoft, Tom Fanning of Southern Company and others, um, and agree to do three things, to be advocates for civics, reinvigorating civics education in this country, to have civics conversations with their workforce, and to support civics activities in their communities. Um, I think we have to take all of the approaches that I know your panelists will discuss uh, in dealing with a very urgent threat. But, uh, but again, I think uh, trying to understand the effects our adversary are trying to achieve and looking at the best ways to, to mitigate the likelihood of that success are what's really ultimately important. It really, it's ultimately important that you make sure that you inoculate people from wrong think and from information that might undermine your narrative, but civics at work. So now, not only can you never escape politics when you turn the television on or get on social media, you can't escape politics when you go to work because they want to inject it there too. They want to indoctrinate adults now with whatever the agenda they're going to you know, program their minds with. Can you imagine that? How, how, I would be so I – I might quit. The, the day I walk in, they say, okay, guys, civics at work lesson, and they start talking to you about social studies. And, and it's, it's not just going to be social studies. It's going to be a very directed narrative about mis- and disinformation, which is what this panel's about, and how it needs to be stopped. And when you bring that up at work, right – then when somebody starts talking at work at the water cooler about a theory they might have, or perhaps they overheard an Alex Jones thing, or they heard that Kyrie Irvin retweeted Alex Jones, and they bring up those words, and all of a sudden, because of these physics, not physics, these civics courses, these indoctrination courses, the other employees are going to turn on them, or, or maybe they're going to go report them to their boss. Their boss calls the FBI, the FBI raids their house. I don't know. This is, I can't see this too, this flying with too many people who don't already agree with it. I think anybody who's actually an independent thinker who is told by their boss they need to come to a civics at work program and talk about politics is going to be like, F you, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Do you remember, do you remember though, uh, because we, we grew up in the time where talking about politics at work was almost a fireable offense. Right. Now now it's a fireable offense not to with ESP right. and, and what yeah, definitely. It's it's wild because when I worked I worked at a leather store for a little while and it, brief story I'll keep it quick. Um there was a there were I had one two three four employees at that store. Uh my boss called me and said, "Hey, uh we're having to cut some people because we don't we you know, we need to save some money in the budget." So that you need to fire someone. And so my idea was, hey, this girl who's been here 
the shortest amount of time. We will. I'll, I'll talk to her about it and let her go. Um, You're such a chauvinist, dude. You're, you hate women. That's true. But um, it, what's I? So I, I, I was going to go and talk to her, but another girl uh, who'd been there second longest, I think, um, came up and she was like, "Hey, I have a a job that I can I, that I'm going to get that's going to be lined up. I have all of this going on. I'll go ahead and quit so you don't have to fire anyone, and and this other girl can keep her job, right?" And I was like, okay, uh, that, that makes everything easier. Thank you. Um, and, but what, what happened was she went home. She called this friend who had a job for her who that was a sure thing, and it wasn't a sure thing. She didn't have the job, and I'd already done all the paperwork, right? And so instead of being like, oh, well, I messed up, this girl talked to the other two girls in the store and one of them did not want to be a part of any of it whatsoever. And she's, I still, I'll still talk to her occasionally, but the, they, she got her, the other girl to work together to lie about me and about the other guy that worked there because in, as revenge for me firing her when she freaking volunteered. Was it like a hashtag me too situation going on here? It was, was it? well, it was, it was very close to that. Like they never said exactly anything, but one of the things they said was that I was always trying to to lead them to the Lord, and I was like, "No, oh, you were talking I, religion." They said, "Yeah," and I I didn't unless they brought it up or asked me something about yeah. it. Like that, I I can't be blamed for that. She said that I would talk about how bad uh, abortion was and this that or the other, and I'm like, <laughs> "You were talking about abortion," and I just said, "Eh, yeah. I don't really like it." Um, and and so I. I lived through this, but now you have to, and that's the thing. But if you talk about the other side, right, well, you will if you just do what you just said well. there, like that is what I think the what, what they're teaching. If what you just described, you would be the one that gets fired for objecting to their position on it. Yep, I feel like, yeah, this is going to be interesting to see. I, I don't think that's going to take personally. There might be maybe a BlackRock that has all of the billions of dollars of ESG investing money. Maybe they can pretend to do that type of stuff, but I, I don't think they even would because I don't think they take it seriously. Cause I, I think that most of these executives are going to hear something like this and be like, I'm not doing that. It, it's going to make people not want to work for them. Who, who's yeah. going to want to go to a job where they're having this clearly propagandized civics lesson that they're trying to indoctrinate their employees with. You don't go to work for that. You go to work to make a living, or maybe a lot. Of, some people enjoy their careers to, to build their careers. You don't go to work to have somebody freaking try and reprogram your brain like you're in, in kindergarten. It's just, it's it's insulting and demeaning. And again, that, that was a, a national security. That, that woman works in the federal government there. She works for Homeland Security. Uh, so, it, yeah, go ahead. No, I just, I, I don't like... How it's like you? I don't like politicians. Politicians, you don't. Why? Kind of some of the the worst people on the planet. But you know what's even oh. worse than a politician? A bureaucrat. Oh, no, a bureaucrat. Oh, a bureaucrat. This, these people, like the. So it, uh, when I talked to John McAfee a couple years ago on my show, uh, he was talking about how the people in the Secret Service and the CIA and all of these different. Uh, you know, federal agencies would call the president the transient because he wasn't going to be there very long, but they were there for life. Right. And so there are people who will make it's just like, you know, someone in, in the Senate, except they have guns and they do secret missions. Right. And so I the idea I, I bureaucrats, I think, are worse than politicians. But well, they have that. They're not elected. So. They can stay there. They're they're the they're they're the backbone of government. They've been there forever. It's like, it's like the intelligence agencies is how they control everything. The idea that somebody who is in office for just a very brief period of time, of four years, in the grand scheme of things, not very long, actually can really revamp things. Yeah, they can put some policies in and maybe make some changes. But to to really be able to affect massive amount of change when you have the rest of the government basically. That's been there for a lifetime. Like how, how old's Clapper, you know, and these other guys who, who used to run yeah. the the CIA, the NSA, and all that. And they might not even have those official positions anymore, but they're still doing interviews and, and acting kind of in a role that affects everything. And I've always thought that's ridiculous. If you look at some of the 
longest running businesses in, in the world, in the history of the world. A lot of them, I think, are in China. And they've been running for hundreds and hundreds of years because they had these secession plans where they just kind of, you, you watch Game of Thrones or whatever that new show is. It's the, the shows were all of the, uh, the people who are in, they have incest sex. So those were all those shows are based on. And they, they also do the, the, they have the secession plans. And that's what all of these longstanding empires and businesses have. And we pretend to recycle, recycle things through and bring somebody new in, and maybe they can affect change, but there's that backbone. Uh, that's why I drained the swamp narrative was a good narrative. Not that he drained oh, yeah. the swamp, but that's why people like that narrative, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like he, he didn't drain the swamp. He just became Shrek. He just became, <laughs> he became Shrek in the swamp, yes. Okay, so I have some monarchy news. I know that you've been on the edge of your seat. Oh, man, I, I love a monarchy. Everybody does. It's so it's it's not powerful at all, though. We don't need to make the mistake of thinking the monarchy that we've exclusively paid attention to in this country that isn't a monarchy. We they have no power over us at all. We just pay attention to him all the time. So they censored John Oliver. Now, I, I John Oliver he is a comedian slash propagandist. He delivers very good propaganda the way his style, and he doesn't always say stuff that, that that's wrong. Like there's some stuff that that I that I like that John Oliver does, but other stuff I. I strongly dislike however he had a take on the queen and the, the king and the new who was the prime minister yeah he made jokes about all of them and they all got censored by a who was the network censored it was a uk broadcast and it was a state operation which is british state media i don't have the name of the actual bbc <laughs> it wasn't bbc yeah but, i mean that is british state media yeah it, no they are a lot of people don't realize that but yes bbc is british state media this is the british broadcasting network sky they are also british state media yep. so i'm gonna share the actual thing that john oliver said so you so you can see it because i watched this and, and this is not like a mean bad joke that he he said this it, it's actually fairly tame in my opinion, and they censored it. They, they wouldn't let it run over there, which you know shows you just how powerless the monarch is when they won't let people make jokes about their leaders. They don't have any power. Why would they have power? Although, although you can't talk about them. Let's make that clear. <laughs> Here we go. Share screen, and yeah. All right, this is from the, this is an inside edition report. I'm trying to skip the little setup here. Here we go. Well, that Start in. with the UK, which is clearly still Take that back a little bit. Okay, so do you have my list handy? No, what list? My list. You know my list. Do Daniel I have to name Lewis. the list? Oh, my, my list is people I want to punch in the face. Um, oh, right. John Oliver, like 100%. And that was before he became the propagandist he is. Like, yeah, I, yeah. He's just horribly annoying to listen to. All right, well, we're about to listen to him very briefly. <laughs> We need to start with the UK, which is clearly still reeling from the shocking death of a 96-year-old woman from natural causes. And this joke was... That was censored. He's about to show you the next one. Also edited out. It was aimed at the new Prime Minister, Liz Truss. The Queen's death is sadly not the only traumatic event that Britain has had to deal with this week. Because on Tuesday, Liz Truss, basically Margaret Thatcher if she were high on glue, became <laughs> its new Prime Minister. The nicest thing the Queen of England ever did for anyone was die the week that woman became Prime Minister. Also gone, this crack about King Charles III. Look, things are pretty bleak in the UK right now. This guy is about to be on all the money. <laughs> So, were those offensive jokes, do you think? No, those were mediocre. Th those were very tame jokes. Yeah. When I, I, the reason I watched that episode of uh, John Oliver's show was because I saw some tweet trending that made it seem like he just tore them up. Like yeah. he tore, like roasted them, ripped them apart. So I, I wanted to see what he had to say. And when I watched it, I was like, that really seems like he was tiptoeing a little bit. And the fact that they censored that, you know, yeah, the monarch has some power. That's my point there. They, they yeah. went, did the king pick up a phone and say, you need to shut this down? No, that's highly unlikely that he was even aware of the jokes here. But the fact that somebody else did shows that they will do that. So yes, soft power, propagandistic power, symbolistic power is in fact maybe some of the most powerful power. And we need to make no mistake about that. A little bit of other monarch news here as well that I found interesting 
let's see here. So John, this is a John Oliver story, and we have a English soccer team who they played a game after the Queen's death. I didn't know this, but apparently, if you play a soccer game after the Queen's death, you you are the worst person in the UK. And these are two amateur soccer clubs, and they're under investigation for dis- disrespectful and unacceptable behavior after appearing to play a friendly match of soccer after the death of the Queen. It's very, very, very despicable thing, obviously. So after her death, the English Football Association, all levels, they posted something saying they're canceling all soccer as a mark of respect. And what these two clubs did is they said, we're going to cancel our game, but we'll do like a friendly match later on, uh, on the same day. So not an official game. So they showed up to this friendly match, a bunch of people who are like buddies going to play. But the mistake they made was they wore their uniforms, which makes it more of an official game. And because they wore their uniforms, it drew outrage from the head of the the league who said that this is disrespectful and despicable behavior and an investigation is is ongoing and they will be dealt with in the strongest possible terms. He went on to say that Queen Elizabeth ruled, served, and led with integrity and humility for more than seven decades. It is a terrible shame that these two teams could not emulate the this even for a single day, despite our instructions. And then he Finished up his comment by saying, we may or may not agree with the mass cancellations of soccer, football they call it, but this was decided as a mark of respect and should therefore be adhered to. This sort of behavior is disrespectful, unacceptable, and flies in the face of our core values of our league, and it will not be tolerated. So, who knew that you're not allowed to not mourn the queen publicly? I didn't realize that. If you're not publicly showing how sad you are about the queen then you're under you could something bad could happen to you because you're doing something very bad and wrong that's that's incredible it's it's so in, in my mind you're anytime someone talks about uh english soccer uh two things come up now the first thing that comes up is ted lasso and yeah, yeah. secondly it's the movie green screen green street hooligans which is pretty good if you haven't seen it that's that's worth a watch but do you know this is an Un, unimportant fact. You know that the you know who made up the term soccer? No, the British, because they called it association really? football, and they took the SOC from association and called it soccer, and they called it soccer up until the point the Americans started calling it soccer, and then they went back to football. Wow, well, I had no idea. What an interesting fact. Yeah. I- because it's it's almost like an offensive thing when it's called soccer. I feel like like at least with people in America. I don't know about over there. So people who are really enthusiastic soccer fans, from my experiences, they like to refer to it as football. And if you call it soccer, they, it's like they look down their nose at you. But yeah, I'm not really a huge soccer fan, so I'm not either. Yeah, <laughs> one more monarch related story here, and that is that a Queen Elizabeth impersonator has of 34 years has out of respect decided to retire. This is a woman who, she's been impersonating the Queen since 1988, claims to be the Queen's biggest fan, and she is no longer going to be doing her Queen impersonation. I, I don't have the images of her uh, here. I, I, I was going to show it to you, but I forgot to pull the screens up. But <laughs> it, makes, it makes me wonder anyway. May, maybe the impersonator's the one in the casket. Who knows? Maybe the Queen's off, of an, off on an island, which is, this is kind of an absurd thought that she's 96 years old. Very normal for a 96-year-old to pass away. But may, maybe she's just now hitting her stride. Maybe she's off on an island. Maybe she's sailing with Jeffrey Epstein right now. Who knows? Maybe that impersonator <laughs> is, in fact, the one that everybody's mourning. All right. Real quick, real quick. I just was trying to search to find um, this, this woman and what came up was not that, and not this woman, which I do believe I found here. Um, <laughs> uh, Kate Kate Middleton lookalike grieving as queen impersonator <laughs> is forced to retire. <laughs> so she they 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 forced the queen impersonator to retire. This was this is this is years ago, right? No, this or is this two is, days this ago. Is recent. Two days ago, yeah, they forced this this old lady to retire, and I all I'm seeing are pictures. Oh, you're saying of they forced this, this one? Yeah, because this article doesn't say they forced her. Yeah, it says is forced to retire. 
Um, but yeah, the uh, Kate Middleton impersonator said her world is in tatters as not only is the grieving, is she grieving the queen's death, but one of her best friends who impersonates her majesty has had to retire. Heidi Egan, 42 first became a lookalike in 2012 after being spotted as a doppelganger for Kate Middleton while working as a waitress. Right, this is a different impersonator. I, I didn't see that story. Yeah. Her, this name is Mary Reynolds. That's interesting. There's obviously a number of impersonators and you know, she has body doubles and stuff too, that we're working with. Yeah. No, Mary Reynolds was forced to retire. That's who they're talking about. Oh, okay. Sorry. I got confused. I got confused. All yeah, right. So they forced her out. <laughs> well, the queen is dead though. It's, uh, so, I mean, you can so, still impress Elvis impersonator still. I guess that would cause a stir, though. She is really a good queen impersonator, and she does kind of look like her, and she's just walking down the street. We see all the the chaos it causes, just her funeral services and all this. People probably lose their minds if they saw that woman. That woman's probably going to have to, like, change her face for fear <laughs> of causing some ridiculous co conspiracy theories, they would say. And it's uh, I think R. Lewis here says that it's called soccer, football. It's called Cal Calcio in Italian? I, I did not know that. C-A-L-C-I-O. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but that's interesting. All I know is this. Soccer to me is boring. I like yeah. baseball and basketball. I know a lot of people think baseball is boring, but to me, soccer is boring. Although people who play soccer are incredibly, they have great endurance and, and they are in peak physical form when it comes to athletics. All right, so before we do the, the final story, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR, which it, we have some, I think, some fun stuff to talk about in the XR. We're, we're going to talk about uh, another town that is fighting for equality, gender, gender equality, wokeism and everything, by involving nudity. I had a story about this a few weeks ago. We have another town doing this. This is a global trend now, and uh, I'm interested to see where that goes. And we, we might also talk about a college course that is focusing on understanding the origins of angry white men, because I would like to understand the origins of that as well. So we'll, we'll talk about that. And if you want to get access to that subscriber-only content, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there, or propreport.com slash locals propreport.locals.com and subscribe there. And what you get is not only you get the subscriber-only content, you get this show ad-free. I take out the ads for all of the subscribers. Let's go on and talk about the final story that I'm going to talk about in the, the regular show here. And that is th this data stuff. Uh, there's these stories that have been popping up in the news about masses of people getting D-pics, pictures of men's genitals just dropped in their airdrop. Do you know what AirDrop is, Cam? Yeah, I use it on my computer. You send a lot of D-pics? Yeah, yeah, to myself. Of course. You, you yeah. got to just remind yourself. You got to always send yourself the best pics so you don't forget about it. Oh, absolutely. Well, there's been a couple. They've both been on airplanes, the stories that I've been thinking about. And one of them was about a pilot who was told that somebody airdropped a D-pic to, to a bunch of people on the plane. And then the pilot got on the, the intercom and he threatened to turn the car around basically with the airplane, which I thought was kind of a weird thing because the other story that had it was talked about how everybody was really offended and mad at this person and they kicked the person off the plane for sending vulgar images to everybody. I mean, in the middle of a flight, they just killed them. They threw them off. It was still on the runway. They didn't throw them off in mid-flight. But I it was wish. before they lifted off. They, they made him leave. But this plane was also hadn't lifted off yet. And... The whole story was about how the air, the pilot just said, you don't need to do that. Stop doing it. He really condemned him. Very firm message. That part was strange. But th there has been... So I didn't really know what AirDrop was when I first... I had heard of it. I have an iPhone, but I've never used AirDrop. But apparently you can more easily send files to people and quicker if they are on Bluetooth and if they have their AirDrop on. And they also have it set to everyone. Which, that, that was what, what was confusing to me. You can have it set to off, you can have it set to contacts, or you can have it set to everyone. And it, it seems to be automatically set to off, because mine was, I checked it. But I think the reason people might have theirs on is because you have to have your device registered with iCloud. You and the person sending you something, both of you do, in order to send it. So... If that's the case, that might make people want to have it set to everyone so they don't have to go because they might have a friend who doesn't want to register their device. Maybe it's stolen. Maybe it's jailbreaked. Or maybe they don't register their device. Either way, you get with a big enough group of people and you 
turn on that thing and, and you can just see whose airdrops show up, there's going to be a handful of people. And so you just drop that D pick and it's, it's like throwing a, a fishing hook out into the lake, you know, just throw it out there and see if you get any bites. And, you know, you're going to get a few offended people and probably zero bites if I had to guess. But these stories, to me, they highlight one, pictures can be dropped on our phones. Well, first of all, we need to at least do the most basic level of protection for ourselves and turn off the airdrop thing. I mean, you do have to accept it. You do, but yeah. if the image doesn't preview enough, and I'm sure there's ways you can manipulate that image so that it doesn't show the full D on, on the preview image. Oh, what's this? <laughs> oh, is this right, a exactly. And, and I that's love what, mushrooms. It, right, exactly. So if I were to get an airdrop and that showed up in my phone... My first, I would be, oh, I'm curious. I would probably, hes- I'd probably start to push it and I'd go, wait a minute, what is this? What's being airdropped? I don't know that every, I think probably everybody listening to this show would, but I think a lot of people might say, wait a minute, what is this? They might look around and want, if they know how it works, wonder who's sending it to them and then press it and then they have a penis on their phone and they're e- they either act like they're offended if they don't like it or maybe they see it and then they look around and try and figure out who sent it and when they realize they, they're not attracted to the person, that, that's when they get offended. That's how it works typically. I, I think I think I think that's the case. Like if 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 someone you're attracted to in some way sends you a, a penis picture, you're typically pretty happy about it. I think. Right. It's like Tom. <laughs> there's a Tom Brady sketch on SNL when he hosted years ago, where he's in an office and then they, I can't. It might have been Chris Kattan, the little guy who he played. He had, yeah. They always put him in the big ears and stuff. He would come up. He would come up to people and just be like, "Hey, you want to maybe go get some coffee one day?" And he'd be standing very far away from them and very non-threatening, and they get really, really offended by him, and they call HR. And then Tom Brady would walk up and grab one of them in the boobs and say, "Hey, babe, let's go get some beer." And and she'd be like, "Okay," which is a very good portrayal of how harassment often is. Is I don't know. like I say, people don't get harassed; they do. I've definitely well, seen some guys be way too inappropriate. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's, 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 we're, uh, I mean, are, would you say that this is a pro penis picture show? No. It's not. <laughs> okay. It's, so you it's definitely not. So you've been laying off the tap water. No, I'm, okay, I'm, cool. I'm anti. I, I honestly can't understand this idea of sending uh, a D pics just to <laughs> an entire airdrop of people. Uh, David here said he's a teacher and airdrop is never on. That, that was my first thought when, when I read this article and I read these stories about the airdrop thing, which was, uh, it was confusing to me because I was like, who has the airdrop on? But then I, I looked at, I didn't know when I looked at my phone, my Bluetooth was on. I had no idea. I, I, yep. I didn't realize it was on. And Bluetooth is one of the requirements. So I'm guessing that the people that do have it on, there's whatever the reason is, they put theirs on in that way. And they make it seem like it's everybody in the plane that got the D-pick. But I, I doubt it is. It's probably a, just a smaller group of people. But if you know this and there's a Giant, like thousands. Say you go to, to the Queen's funeral. Like if you really want to dr- airdrop a lot of D pics to people, go to the Queen's funeral because there's millions upon millions of people there. So you're gonna have a large sample of people who can, who can enjoy your D when you when you drop that that picture to them. But there was another story related to that actually related to teachers. It was a school. Where did it go? That they had this network at this school. Let me find my place here. All right. So a hacker sent. God, my, my thing's going haywire. It's Sorry. okay. I mean, have you... Uh, what do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fill the silence with, with what is now a purely Alex Jones soundboard. Um, yes. Because that's the way to do it. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Well, you know, I, that, <laughs> when, when he said that, most people just dismissed it. I looked it up, and there was... It was being... Re- you know, exaggerating, being rhetorical, but there was something to what he was saying. Yeah, there's so, always something to what he's saying. Like, yes, Obama is the Antichrist. <laughs> I mean, there's there's always something to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's part of all of it, though. All, all people who who do this media stuff, they they. I'm not Alex Jones. There's a lot of things that he has told the truth about and revealed about. And Kyrie Irving has been exposed to Alex Jones. Alex Jones is like a lot of people's first exposure to a conspiracy. At least it used to be. Not and Alex Jones has also said things that aren't true, and he, and he said things that have been just in, incorrect. But he's he's revealed a lot of truths, and, and the people in the mainstream media also though they all have to use truth. So propaganda it only works when tr- when it feels like it's truth. When it, so you can't just go way too sensational without building upon a base of plausibility. And, and 
It is funny though, because like a clip like that, it doesn't even seem plausible when you say the frogs are turning gay. But it is actually <laughs> when you look at the when you look at the actual science of it. it it's not that they're turning gay, but it's making them gender dysmorphia, dys- dysmorphia or whatever it's called. Anyway, back to the explicit images. There was a school. That these they've been popping up on. All right, here it is. It's a messaging app that parents and teachers they're receiving explicit explicit photos in this private chat. It's called Seesaw. Do you, David, your teacher, do you use Seesaw at your school? I think this is a. I know it's in New York. I think maybe Seattle where they use it. No, here it is. Illinois, Oklahoma, and Texas is where they use it. And the photo was masked as a a Bitly link, so it looks shorter. And the people clicking on it, most of them, they didn't know what it was going to go to. I used to do that in college. I would mask links uh, of something just horrifying that I knew was going to just make people just like my friends. It's going to offend them badly, and I would be like, hey. Look! Look at how uh, good Peyton Manning played for Tennessee, and then I'd send them a link of ESPN fake one, and then they click on it, and this would be the most disgusting image you've ever seen, and they get really mad at me. And I set actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I set some of the email the computers that people check their email when they went into class in like the little commons area. I, I set a bunch of computers like that to open up. I like to play pranks when I was in college. Is all is all I'm saying here. Back to the story here. So the photo was masked and. Some apparently some of the teachers received images that they saw it, so they didn't even have to click on it to see the images. It was a meme of a man performing a sex act on, on another man. I don't know exactly what the specific meme is, but was it they meat ended up, spin? Do what was it meat spin? <laughs> it was or meat or spin. Uh, <laughs> lemon party? No, it wasn't. That's honestly lemon party is one of the ones that I used to set at my college as the homepage, which is a horrifying. Don't ever go to that website. <laughs> By the way, never go to that website. I'm serious. Don't go to that yeah. website. But no, it wasn't either one of those. So what happened is they shut this thing down. They ended up shutting down the whole network. They had to alert teachers. They had to, They ended up taking the password, the login stuff away from students so they couldn't get into it because they didn't want to see it. And, and that really got me thinking. It just seems kind of like a, you know, a story you can brush off. But like, one, when you think about the pilot story, yes, you can turn your thing off and block it. But I don't believe that they can't just put pictures on our phone. I'm to a point where it's like, it just feels like anybody who knows what they're doing can get into your phone and they can plant evidence on your phone. Oh, yeah. Which puts us in this situation which is similar to the deep fakes where it's like, Somebody finds evidence on their phone of something, they can claim it was put there, or maybe it really was put there. We simply aren't going to be able to know because we've reached this technological... Tip- the singularity was the term I was looking for. Well, earlier. I mean, even if they didn't use... Um, like airdrop or anything like that all they have to do is text it to you because your phone downloads it and so one of the one of the things that i've heard of uh some people doing um not good people is they would um well actually let me preface this did you know that if you are a 17 year old boy and your 17 year old girlfriend sends you a naked picture you could go to jail or uh, distributing and or receiving child pornography. And so if when that's the case, people will take that and they will send these sorts of pictures to people's devices. And they, I mean, I've, I've heard that this is a thing that has happened, but I mean, can you imagine if someone did that to you, uh, sent a bunch of pictures via text message to your phone and then called the cops and you had to explain why they were they were in your phone Absolutely, and why they were sent man. to you. Yeah, we're all so these devices make our life simpler. They they are a convenience thing. But what's the price of that convenience? Is it puts us at a higher risk. One, it can be hacked. This entire smart grid, Biden's infrastructure plan, they want to just build this smart grid up around us. They want everybody connected to it. They're actually now trying they have a program where they're going to be trying to get iPads in the hands of everybody. Like the Obama smartphones, because why would they want that? Because people who don't have smart devices are not connected to the Borg, to the grid. They, they, these, are, these are propaganda delivering machines worldwide. They can put stuff in our heads. I, I have a clip of somebody who works as a psychological warfare operator saying the, the YouTube app on people's phones, it enables us to have a direct line of communication to the brains of three-year-olds. Uh, that's well. the way that they think about these things. And these these... The amount of information, and it just gets so easy, you know, and it's easy yeah. to forget about. And 
that's why I can believe that people would leave those apps on and not even think about it. And some people, I have friends of mine who are like, I don't even care. I'll push it. I'll accept whatever. They don't even think about it because they don't think like us. They, yep. they, they don't look into all this stuff. They, they live in kind of a, a different mindset than we do. And it puts them, it puts everybody vulnerable to this. It's the, the easier something is, it's almost like the, the more at risk we are <laughs> to have it compromise us in, in some way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No so. joke. Of these teachers, too, it was like 10 million teachers that were on this network. And so think about that, too. You have this network, and I'm imagining, and I don't know exactly how this works, but I have an idea because I, I know schools that use similar types of things that they're describing here. Everything is dependent on it, right? The homework assignments are put on there, the progress reports, whatever, everything that the parents need to know, everything the teachers need to know, the kids get their assignments, they probably even maybe even take tests through there. They yep. become completely dependent on this network here that is completely vulnerable to having D-picks just, just put in it for, to a bunch of kids, and then they have to shut it down, and they don't know what to do because they become dependent on this. The more dependent we become on this smart grid, on this new technology, the less we are able to function without it. We, we see, like 50 years, 100 years from now, when self-driving cars, if they do end up becoming uh, you know, the dominant car that everybody drives, nobody's going to know how to actually drive just like we don't know how to be hunters and gatherers. Most people right. don't. So that price of the convenience is, yes, they, they, they lull us to sleep kind of with how easy and simple it is. We talked about that, that uh, shopping cart thing. We just walk the shopping cart underneath this like full body scanner and yeah. it just does the whole price at one time. And man, I, I got to tell you, some of these things are so easy. They're so convenient and they're often very, very helpful, but it's weighing the risk of how helpful and all the benefits versus the vulnerability that, that, that exists there. And Biden's infrastructure plan, build back better is uh, build back vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> all right. So we're going to, we're going to go to the DNB XR here, here in a second. And I am excited to tell you about this, this German town it's in Germany that is really standing up for the social justice movement by getting more women to be naked. So we'll talk about amazing. it. Yeah. Talk um, about that. Amazing. In the is there anything that you wanted to, to share before we got out of here? Um, all I wanted to say, uh, it was, it's just to you though, not really the audience. Um, I love you, bitch. I love you too. Just, I said, I love you, bitch. Is that what that was? Yeah, yeah. It was. I love you too. I love you too. I appreciate that. And I, and I appreciate everybody participating in the chat. And we will continue this conversation. If you want to get, and again, if you want to get access to that content, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report, rockfin.com slash propaganda report, propreport.locals.com to have access to that exclusive material. We will talk to you guys in the DMB XR or next time. Have a fantastic weekend. And rest of your day. Yes. <laughs>